0: We need to remember so that history doesn't become history on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. I'm excited about this episode uh, because this is such an important topic, and uh, and I'm so grateful to you, my listeners, for uh, listening every week and supporting what we're doing here at Pushback. Uh, I'm recording this just a little bit late. I'm actually recording this on Monday morning. Um, I'm post-call, so if you're watching on YouTube, you may see a little bit of some bags under my eyes, and I'm still in my scrubs. Uh, but I'm kind of grateful that I'm doing this a titch late uh, because... Of the events of this week and even headlines just from yesterday afternoon, which we will get to in a second Uh, I'm dedicating this podcast to my son Elijah if he is listening Uh, He's our history buff of our family And uh, we went to the Alamo gift shop on our recent trip to Texas Which was a wonderful family vacation to celebrate my daughter's graduation from high school We're in the Alamo gift shop and all of us, of course, are mulling around looking at T-shirts and hats and memorabilia and my other son, you know, buying a replica gun. And and Elijah comes up to the counter wanting to buy the history of Texas. (laughs) It's not what any of us would have chosen as a remembrance of uh, our time there but that's what he chose. He loves history. And so this is dedicated to you, Elijah. Uh, Let me give you a quick COVID update. My podcast last week, uh, facts about the Vax various variants. Um, uh, We know that there are these variants that are out there, but studies and more data is coming out even this week that's showing that the current vaccine is effective against the variant. So it's critical that we continue to pursue vaccination uh, in my opinion. And uh, the latest updates is 65% of U.S. seniors are fully vaccinated. 80% have received one dose. 80% of our seniors over the age of of 60, or 65, excuse me. Um, That's tremendous. That's a great number and uh, certainly uh, a step in the right direction. Emergency department visits and hospitalizations among 65 And older have decreased. There's been a little bit of an uptick in cases, but in the elderly, um, ER visits and hospitalizations are decreased. And so, because of that, even though cases are ticking up, deaths are declining, which is exactly what we expected to see when this high risk population got vaccinated. So, it's critical that we continue to pursue vaccination. They're opening it up now to anybody over the age of 16. Um, So, if you are considering it or have considered it, I encourage you to pursue that. Uh, 52% of of Minnesotans over the age of 16 have been vaccinated. So we're over the halfway point. That's really encouraging to somebody like me who's an ER physician, uh, because that number is uh, an important number. There is a uh, saying that many um, are familiar with, and the saying is, is those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it, um, this is uh, attributed to writer and philosopher George Santayana. George Santayana, uh, in its original form, "Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it." Probably, may be became more popular when it was repeated by Winston Churchill, uh, who is the father of adages and sayings, when he said, "Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it." Mark Twain said. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. <laughs> I, love, I love how he phrases things because it's funny, but it's true. And so we are here sitting uh, in the middle of this pandemic, and it's, it's interesting to me because so much of, I believe, some of the reticence and the hesitation about getting vaccinated is simply because we don't remember. And if we sat down with generations that had come before us, even before the the era of vaccinations and the devastation that took place during those times, um, I don't think there would be quite so much hesitancy. That's just my opinion. In a a post on May 15th, 2020 in uh, English News. I just want to read this article. History never repeats itself. Every single historical moment is distinct from those from the past. However, we must learn from our mistakes so that we do not run the risk of repeating them. Unfortunately, those involved in the bad decisions made between 1918 and 1920 during the Spanish flu are not here to help us now. The lives lost during the Spanish flu taught us one valuable lesson. Transparent information is the key. In a world of social media and constant communication, the ability to understand and process information is paramount. It's part of my goal here in this podcast is to help uh, my listeners process some of this information so that we can make informed decisions. It goes on to say, I wonder, are we capable of learning from our ancestors' valuable lessons, of which there are many? The Spanish flu was a devastating and previously unknown form of influenza. The international pandemic deaths estimated at between 50 to 100 million, and it claimed the lives of somewhere between 2.5 and 5% of the global population. Inadequate quarantine measures, powerlessness against the illness, and a lack of coordinated efforts from health authorities led to unsurmountable chaos. Countless nurses, volunteers, and members of charitable organizations risked their lives to ensure that a large number of the ill and their families survived. Sound familiar? See, we have to remember the things that took place in the past so that we aren't doomed to repeat it. It's so critical. History is so important to the fabric of who we are. And I believe that when we remember, when we look back at the things that happened in the past, even though they might be ugly, we can take the good, the bad, and the ugly. Even when we look past, though, we can learn from it. And that becomes one of our greatest cultural tools is to remember. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we went to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. Of course, it's famous for being remembered. That took place in 1836. And because we all appreciate history, we spent a lot of time there walking around the grounds, and they had sort of a a cultural experience in the grounds of the Alamo, uh, behind the Alamo itself. And they had um, sort of actors dressed in, in full costume of, of what they would basically be wearing in 1836 at the Alamo. And, and one person was talking about the cannons and the weaponry that was being used, and one talking about pottery and culture. Uh, but we came to this man who was kind of last in the tour, and he was in full gear. He, he kind of had the powder horn and the, the leather outfit and, and uh, his musket And he began telling us uh, the history, not only of the Alamo, but what led up to the Alamo. And it was fascinating. And this man um, talked, (laughs) I'm not exaggerating, for over an hour to us, probably because we looked so eager and interested. Um, But he, without notes, just basically rambled for an hour to hour and 15 minutes about not only the Alamo event itself, but what led up to it. And I'll be frank with you, it was fascinating. It was fascinating because first he started out by saying that, you know, he was in his early 60s, which would have been way beyond the life expectancy of anybody who lived in that time. He said the life expectancy of a typical citizen uh, in Texas at that time was 42 years. And he, of course, related that to before the onset of immunizations antibiotics, the things that we take for granted today, it, it, it triggered something in my mind that here we are in this place of, of historical remembrance. Remember the Alamo has become one of the most famous expressions in American history, and there are so many layers of remembrances that we need to take that needs to take place, even in that one little compacted story in central Texas. And even immunizations can be a perfect segue into what we learned even way back then. Of course, the Alamo is a story of greed and money and manipulation and exploitation and immorality and uh these these threads and these themes that that led up to this event that became um, littered with heroes and, and exploits. As you guys remember, the Alamo uh, was a, a mission that was built in, in Central Texas and the, the Mexican government led by Santa Ana, an immoral, uh, domineering uh, man, uh, came to root out those that would be seeking independence. And the Alamo, uh, the, the participants in the Alamo were wiped out completely and they were able to hold the fort long enough for reinforcements to ultimately come but too late to save their lives. But the battle cry of Sam Houston and, and uh, those that came after was remember the Alamo. It drove them. There was something that even happened just weeks before that they would remember and it would drive them to create this historical moment. We know that all throughout the Old Testament that the the Lord and the, the patriarchs, they, they valued remembering they would place stones and, 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 and monuments to try to remember, not only for themselves, but for generations to come, about the importance of what happened and the goodness of God. Deuteronomy 32.7 says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. Remember. It's critical not only to remember, but to ask questions, to ask questions. We were able to extract an incredible amount of history in one hour period of time that was transformational, even in the way that you think about this historical event. How much more about stories from the Old Testament? How much more about stories from your own life, from the life of America? I often remember another trip that our family went on uh, towards the East Coast. Uh, This was several years back when our kids were much younger. We had the privilege of going to Gettysburg. Gettysburg made such an impression on me because I don't know if it was just spiritual, but you could feel the struggle. You could feel the passion even when you were on the battlefield. And I remember that we uh, did an audio a tour where you drive around. This battlefield is gigantic. And of course, it's one of the most well-known, um, really uh, the turning point uh, in the Civil War, uh, for sure. I'm not a Civil War expert, but I remember the impact and the importance that was felt when we were at the Gettysburg battlefield. It was interesting, though, because I remember even in the information um, Center where you could learn and watch a video. I remember, um, I guess the word would be being outraged because they talked about um, how the struggle, how the the battle was forgotten. And they cited Woodrow Wilson, who was president uh, during uh, 1913. This was 50 years, the 50-year anniversary of the Gettysburg battle. And it was interesting, um, and I'm going to quote Woodrow Wilson, who was somewhat famous or infamous uh, of having some white supremacist views uh, even back then. And I know I always want to be careful to um, have my facts straight, but there were some some issues with uh, his rhetoric and uh, the views that he had even 50 years after the Civil War. And he came and delivered what was uh, kind of known as the, uh, uh, the Blue and Gray Reunion, the 50th anniversary of the Civil War. And he gave a speech at Gettysburg on July 4th, 1913. And he said, We have found one another again as brothers and comrades in arms, enemies no longer, generous friends rather. Our battles long past, the quarrel forgotten except that we should not forget the splendid valor, the many de- manly devotion of the men that arrayed against one another, now grasping hands and smiling into each other's eyes. I mean, are you kidding me? The quarrel forgotten? This was 50 years after one of the most bloody, one of the most important, one of the most transformational battles in American history, and he's standing up there saying, the quarrel? A quarrel? If you go to if you go to the Gettysburg battlefield you'll realize that the quarrel was a quarrel is one of the most understated words you could use for what happened there. And a quarrel forgotten only 50 years later what's going on? It's an attempt at reconciliation and healing but in light of completely ignoring the historical, historical significance of actually what took place on that battlefield. In the article that I read, it wrote, the capstone of Woodrow Wilson's a view of the Civil War era lies in his speech at Gettysburg. The overall goal of this reunion was to forge the spirit of reconciliation rather than debate the merits and the causes of the war. Wilson played right into this goal. According to Wilson, the years since the Civil War brought peace and union and vigor and a peace that was both wholesome and healing. In the words of a true reconciliationist, everything about the war had been forgotten. Wilson would have had his audience believe that after 1865, an era of great peace and prosperity was brought upon the nation. Yet this narrative completely ignores the plight and terror of freed men who were shaken by the Klan and who were subject to decades of black codes and Jim Crow laws, which would not be eradicated for another half century. Nowhere in Wilson's speech does he mention the emancipationist aims of the Union war effort, nor the hundreds of thousands of African Americans who fought to bring about emancipation. And when you're there, you could feel that tangibly. It's interesting because healing is a good word and healing is a powerful word, but we have to know that healing begins in the heart. It's always in the heart. And when we forget history, we can be doomed to repeat it. So here we are, fast forward 2021, and we're living in Minnesota and and many might be aware that there are social study benchmarks in our schools, in our public schools. It was addressed in 2011 and now being addressed 10 years later. And these are benchmarks that need to be, quote-unquote, satisfactorily completed standards before a child can graduate. Well, these Minnesota Social social Studies standards are under revision. And these should raise our eyebrows. What is going on? In the 2020-2021 benchmark proposed revisions, these, you're going to think I'm making this up. These are the benchmarks that are missing as compared to 2011. First one, World War I. Benchmarks on the social, political, and economic causes of the war. Nations involved, major political and military figures, key battles, and political impact. That's been removed. World War II. Benchmarks on the social, political, and economic causes of the war, and main turning points, nations involved, major political and military figures, key battles, and timelines of key events leading to World War II. We don't think that's important. I just heard I just heard about the timeline of key events leading to the Battle of Al- at, at Alamo, and I was floored at the complexity and the importance of what took place there. This is World War II. And we're supposed to remove it from history? All right, take a deep breath before I read the next one. The Holocaust, including references to the Nazi regime, regime and Jews. It's been removed from the required benchmarks. Rise and effects of communism and socialism. The American Revolution, benchmarks on timeline of the major events and turning points of the revolution, including the involvement of other nations and the reasons for American victory. Identifying historically significant people during the period of the revolution, for example, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Elizabeth Freeman. And now we get to the Civil War benchmarks on timeline of key events of the war causes of the war major political and military events main ideas of the debate over the slavery and states rights and how they resulted in major political compromises and ultimately war my friends do we not see the importance and value for our children to learn even if we don't agree even if it was ugly even if it was bloody and horrible which the civil war absolutely was it's it's devastating But are we going to turn our back from it and not learn a thing from it? Boy, are we already doomed to repeat it as Woodrow Wilson did 50 years later. Now we are some, you know, 150 years later. And we're still talking about the same thing. A quarrel forgotten. Is that really what we want to do? This is critical to our American history. It's critical to who we are, and it's critical to our culture because remembering is one of our greatest cultural tools. It's biblical. It's historical. It's purposeful, and it's educational. So here we are this week. I'm Glad I didn't record my podcast yesterday because the trial of Derek Chauvin was completed and he was found guilty on all charges. And this is something that we need to remember as Minnesotans for sure and as Americans. We need to remember so as not to repeat it. But it's interesting because there was something that was echoing in my head even last night when I was on call and and I was seeing the headlines come down and I was even on ESPN and seeing the responses of all the sports athletes and the politicians and almost without exception, the comments were, now healing can begin. And I, and I appreciate that and I love the word healing, but it was eerily familiar to what Woodrow Wilson was saying 50 years after the Civil War, that the peace was wholesome and healing following the war. And yet here we are, 150 years later, still struggling with the same thing because we haven't learned from history. See, my friends, healing is in the heart. It's always in the heart and it won't be through legislation. It won't be through politicians or sport sport athletes spouting off. And it won't be through one verdict. Even though I do believe the verdict was just and I believe that the trial was fair. This one verdict isn't going to bring healing. It may be prevented chaos and rioting, but healing happens in the heart. We have to learn from history. I have a heart over the next several weeks or podcasts, depending on what happens in the world simultaneously, to remember a time period in history was led by a man named william wilberforce i will go into much more detail but this man almost single-handedly ended the slave trade in england there's a man that stood up learned from the past celebrated history and then made history we can learn so much from his life. And, and with your permission, I'd like to share some of those aspects because I believe that it absolutely parallels what is happening in this world today. And there is a call for more forces. I'm willing to be one of those. One of those voices that will stand up and change things. We need to remember it's one of the greatest cultural tools that we have. Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Could I add another phrase? uh, Dr. Johnny quote? Those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But those that learn from history are destined to make it. Wouldn't that be a call for every one of our lives? To make history? We do that by learning from history, not by erasing the history books, not by turning our back on the things that make us feel uncomfortable, but leaning into them and learning them so that we can become better people and better citizens. We set the culture and we can learn so much from history. Thank you for listening to me again this week. and I can't wait to come and talk to you again next week. As we go together now, to set and shape the culture.